Rob, I'm I'm really I'm really excited about this latest development in Congress. What's that? Did I miss something big? Something huge today. Today, the House voted to condemn the horrors of socialism. Oh, thank goodness. Vote. Thank goodness. <laughs> I just think it's you know, really if there's one thing I'm, I'm always saying, the United States government is not hard enough on those damn socialists. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you can't, you can't <laughs> let anyone think that there might be anyone in the United States government that might have a different idea about that. No, I think it's really important yep. to always be getting on the record that, you know, the idea of having a, an economic system that, you know, is maybe a little bit less exploitative is just extremely dangerous and not something that anyone wants to be as connected to. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I, I, I think it answers any questions about where leaders in the government of a country that is responsible for untold death around the world. I, I think it's good that they came out and said, hey, we don't like it when a government tries to meet everyone's needs. That's, that's reassuring. That's inspiring to me. Yeah. There's Cuban people right now studying to become doctors. They didn't even pay. <laughs> How fucked up is that? They didn't even pay a six-figure uh, entrance fee to get into the university. It's just free. That's outrageous. If you, if you don't spend 10 to 20, 30 or more years paying off your education, yeah, how can we really be sure you're actually you know, better off for it? How, yeah. you, didn't, you have no skin in the game. Yeah. You're not pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm happy that they got on that. I was a little worried that this new Congress wasn't going to be able, was going to be maybe a little reactionary or weren't going to get things done. And I'm happy to hear that I was wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, they're tackling the important issues. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Uh, so that happened today. Uh, that was a, that was one of the first things Republicans did now that they've taken control of the House. Really important stuff. I think like 90 <laughs> Democrats or something joined them as well. So that's oh yeah, that's good stuff. You yeah. Know. Feeling great. Well, the thing is, though, if they didn't vote for that, then Republicans would say that they love socialism. And now that they've done it, clearly they won't get those kinds of accusations. So that's a little something called 4D chess. Rokana voted with Republicans on that. Wonderful. Look at the House Progressive Caucus, dog. (laughs) Uh, uh, Rob, how's it going? It's going all right. We got a polar vortex coming down. How are you going to stay warm? I don't know. I'm not looking forward to it. My joints are already preemptively aching. It's not going to be fun this weekend. It's going to be miserable. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, you're you're avoiding that? You don't get any of that action? (laughs) No, not that I know of. I've gotten no warnings. I think I'll be fine. I'm just gonna crack, probably crack the back door, let the nice, yeah. crisp air in, and just relax, watch some sports. Got a nice weekend ahead. Oh, that sounds nice. I mean, it is a good excuse to hang out and you know just sit under a blanket and relax. You know, I enjoy that. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. So we have a couple things upcoming that I'm excited about. But first, 
want to remind people our most recent premium episode is available at theinsurgents.substack.com. We released that earlier this week. Rob and I talked about Mr. Beast, the largest independent or singular YouTuber. There's only one other channel bigger than his, and it's a big, I think, music label in India. But as a person, he is the biggest. And he did a video recently where he funded the site restoration procedures of a thousand people and was patting himself on the back for his generosity because that's his that's his whole brand, right? It's charity porn. A lot of criticism, a lot of praise on both sides uh, were, were levied. So we waded into that conversation and talked about this kindness content trend on YouTube and how people profit from it and what it ultimately says about our society. And then later in that episode, we talked about the killing of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police and the ongoing fight for systemic change in tackling and ending police brutality. So that's available at theinsurgents.substack.com, along with all of our other episodes. Now, if you are It's going to be fun, as discussed on the episode, it's going to be fun to pivot into that Mr. Beast-style content, like how we discussed. Oh, right, right. I've got a big stunt plan. We're going to fill a whole swimming pool with Monster Ultra Zero. Okay. He's going to dive right in. You're going in? Yeah. The Monster If you had to fill a swimming pool with Monster Ultra, what would you go with the white, or what would you go with? Uh, I haven't the had these in kind a while of because they make my heart race, but I liked the red. Is that an ultra one? The red one? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. When I was in college, I worked at a gas station and we would get free drinks working there and they had this one. They don't make it anymore. I haven't seen it in years. This was early 2010s. It was like a red tea. It was just called Rojo. It was a red tea right. and that stuff was so good. I drank way too many of those, and that's probably why now it makes my heart race. Yeah. <laughs> For whatever reason, I made uh, guzzling energy beverages I'm gonna, it's central to my entire brand um, Yeah, a couple years ago. I probably shaved the- a couple years off my life with <laughs> that whole exercise. It was funny. It made people – people enjoyed it, though. People enjoyed the memes and everything, but the one in that retrospect, you, like- could probably just drink more water. would probably be better. I think that's good. The one that you like jokingly promote, I tried that one time. Rain, I think it was called. Rain Total Body Fuel. Yeah. That's it. Dude, I felt like my heart was going to explode. (laughs) I think that's the one with like a bunch of other stuff in it too. It's like they're kind of like bodybuilding adjacent uh, energy drinks. Well, in America, it's more, you get more caffeine. It's like half as much caffeine here in Canada. They only allow us to have like 180 milligrams or something. And I think in America, it's over 300 because of our nanny state Trudeau, Trudeau socialist government. We don't get access to the real good, the good stuff. It was terrible. I hated the way it made me feel. (laughs) Uh, I just, I'll never drink that again. Um, Well, they're no longer my sponsor. I, I, I ran out of free product and. I, they never followed back up, so they're dead to me, frankly. Sorry, as a brand sponsorship. Yeah. Well, I'm still fighting on that colon broom sponsorship for us, so we'll see. Nice. If we can get that. Well, yeah. And make some calls <laughs> about the colon yeah. broom sponsorship. <laughs> uh, yeah, influencer department over at Colon Broom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to point out, in addition to getting all of those premium episodes. You get a bonus episode every week by subscribing or becoming what we like to call a paid intern. We'll also be hosting 
live chats over on Substack. Now on the Substack app, you can have a live chat on your publication. So we're going to have one Tuesday night at 9 Eastern for the State of the Union. And then on Sunday, uh, I believe it's at 6 or 6.30, whenever the Super Bowl starts, for the Super Bowl, we'll do one for the Oscars, and we're going to have these going forward. It's a good way for us to interact with subscribers, watch these things and react to them in real time. Things that we typically that typically come up in our conversations. Now we're going to watch these with you. So we're really excited about these. So head on over to theinsurgents.substack.com, become a paid intern, get access to an additional episode every week, and join our live chats starting this Tuesday with the State of the Union. Be watching that in horror or in fanfare, whatever you want with you. I'm excited about those. Yeah, it should be fun. And we got a great episode coming up today as well with uh, Emma Vigland of the Majority Report and ESVN, the yeah. burgeoning, burgeoning uh, major <laughs> sports uh, network that everyone's talking about. I believe they're going public <laughs> soon. So maybe if you're the, the stock heads out there, you watch out for that because <laughs> – Rob stock tips. That's right. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> That's right. Buy the dip. Buy the dip on uh, ESVN. No, it was great Love to talk it. to Emma. Uh, a pretty extensive sports chat this week. Uh, that's why I bring that up, but it was very enjoyable. Um, as well, talking about some uh, some stories going on right now in American politics uh, with Ilhan Omar being removed from the Foreign Affairs Committee and kind of what the uh, Republicans are up to now that they're uh, have taken over the house and are setting the agenda there. Like we already got a glimpse of it at the beginning of the program, but we got into that further with Emma. Great conversation with her. She hasn't been on since episode two. That's episode crazy. two, she was on there. I know. Yeah, it's been so long. I'm glad to have her back. It was fun. It was. It was fun. And why do why do we get to Emma now? What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's bring on the Majority Reports. Emma Vigland. Right now, she's going to be joining the show right after this. joined by emma host of esvn <laughs> worldwide leader in sports the real worldwide yep. leader in sports the only one i and, recognize anyway good, good. The that's majority how it should report. be emma thank you so much for joining us we're excited to have you back thanks uh, uh thanks for having me be back on yeah i've been good um you know 2023 uh it's like cold and depressing in new york and it's not snowed i mean it's snowed a little the other day but like I don't have to drive anywhere, so I really quite enjoy the snow. And I get a little bummed out when I don't have it to look forward to as a way to just kind of break up the winter. Uh, but I know Rob, you probably I'm, have like I'm under relate. mountains of snow right now, just and I have to drive around in it as well. So and now we have so, a polar yeah, vortex. Worst of both worlds coming on top of that. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm sorry, but you can send it, send, uh, send over, some leftovers over to me. And by leftovers, I mean, uh, yeah, leftover I'll just send snow, you a right? big pile of snow in the mail. Yeah. That's just the kind of friend Tupperware. I Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> uh, now, now, Emma, since you've been on, if, if I remember correctly, you were on in very early two. 2020, which uh, it was very yeah. early. I remember that actually. It was from like a hotel room in New Hampshire, I think for yeah. the primary 
That was a crazy Talking about time. Bernie just about to cruise yeah. to victory, and as we all remember, yeah. everything oh, went God. perfectly. Uh, one, everything was wonderful been great after that. Everything was yep. going well now. And there was never anything called COVID. You know, for some reason, Bernie got elected and, and it yeah. all just dissipated. And birds On Earth and, too. you know, squirrels dress us up every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since you have been on, we've decided to start these interviews a little bit different. And now we ask all of our guests a very tough, hardball question to get started. So since then, we've asked everyone mm. and now it's your turn. Emma, are you a gamer? <laughs> no, although I will say I got my boyfriend a console for Christmas. Nice. Um, yeah, I got him a Nintendo Switch, which I guess you can also pick up and play with your hands, right? Uh, yeah. But it's I feel like it's much it seems much more enjoyable on the TV, but who am I to say? But I have been playing some Super Smash a little bit with him. I still I'm I'm struggling to get as much into it as like he and his friends and stuff. But um I've been using King K Rule. He's my character for right now. The heavier characters are kind of easier for me to 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 use as a novice. Um mm. but like I, I that that's the extent of my gaming. I was like not allowed to play video games growing up because my parents thought I would hurt my brain, which I feel like I missed out on. <laughs> so what I'm stuff. hearing is yes, I am a gamer. That's what I took away from Yes. Yeah. From that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Roundabout way Good. of saying yes. <laughs> I'm a wannabe <laughs> gamer and I wanna eventually evolve from like heavy characters like King K Rule and um move to the cool you know shooter guys uh the, the little <laughs> elves and stuff i don't know any other names but they the shooter seem, guys yeah they seem fun and they have all those like bows and arrows all that good stuff yeah i was a big pit main in uh which one was it was a brawl or melee on the wii pit was pretty nasty because he could fly and he had yeah like that angel looking he's guy one of the guys i'm blades. thinking of yeah right yeah those I are cool pit. And the um, the 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 guys like the oh gosh I'm embarrassing myself <laughs> the fighter guys right like the the karate and what, the, what's the Street Fighter Street <laughs> yeah. Fighter Street yeah, Fighter yeah, yeah. yeah like Ryu those, right exactly yeah uh, those are good ones yeah uh, well I mean th- no those are my aspirational characters we believe in you we think you could reach Thank you. We, you could reach those as mains pretty soon <laughs> uh, speaking of Switch they just re released Goldeneye on switch and i started playing it the other night really excited to kind of lean into that nostalgic feeling growing up on that game and holy cow i was so unprepared to go back to how awful (laughs) the controls were for that game with the nintendo 64 single joystick control style where you had to hit a button in uh in addition to to moving the stick to aim what a terrible design. I think we need to revisit our nostalgia for the N64. Well, I think the, the GoldenEye, the, what we remember about playing GoldenEye isn't so much the game, but it's hanging out in your friend's basement and getting Pizza Hut and a two liter of Pepsi or whatever and having a bunch of your weird yeah. friends over and spending going until 3 a.m. having these epic uh, you know, uh, battles, pistols only or yeah. whatever, whatever rule, whatever. Slapping, yeah, whatever weird rule you had and whatever crew you were, that's that's what we remember more than the actual gameplay, yeah. right? It was that basement. Yeah, I think that's right. Very enjoyable, though. Uh, so uh, this is a James Bond game? Yeah. It was the N64 yeah, was the adaptation of the, movie of the film GoldenEye. That's right. Ah, and yes. It would offer four-player split-screen um, multiplayer 
which led to <laughs> like just like as rob is saying countless hours yeah. spent staying up late on wait a but who Friday plays who like night. why would anyone want to be anyone except bond oh you're shooting each other it was like a pretty early like multiplayer shooter okay Again, I'm, uh, I'm that, digging myself further in the the, <laughs> the, no the new zone. hole. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You could just pick your character from the movie and just not odd job. You know, just run around in a as long as you were an okay. odd job. That was a that was a big no no. <laughs> His smaller stature had a kind yeah. of an unfair advantage and sort of maneuverability and lack of a target. Not cool. Oh, oh, so. Yeah, you couldn't use use him because he was too good. It was a bit of an unfair advantage. Yeah, I'm sorry to any odd job fans in the insurgents <laughs> community, but it's true. I don't want to. I'm not going to lie to you about this. You know, I got to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, well, moving on to uh, an area where Emma is much more familiar, we need to talk about what a great moment we're in in the sports world. Uh, Emma, you're the host of ESPN. It, we, yes. that, I believe that's within the Majority Report Network. Uh, the oh, Report yes. The Majority Universe. Report Network. Yes. I'll tell <laughs> Sam you called it that. <laughs> Happily. Uh, yeah. Now, ESPN is your sports show. Uh, you have, you're have you a loud and proud New York sports fan. We've got the NHL All-Star Game this weekend. Next week <laughs> is the Super Bowl. And in the NBA, we're getting close to All-Star break and LeBron is about to break the scoring record. I mean, what are you the most excited about right now in, in the world of sports? <laughs> well, cool hat. Well, I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm a football fan, like very much through and through. Um, I think there's n- not really much that can compete with the single elimination setting, the emotions, every play meaning so much, the, <laughs> the parody within the NFL the uh, intensity with which players play and also the schematics involved. That's why it's my favorite thing to watch. So I'm excited and I want the Chiefs to smash uh, the the Eagles, although probably the Eagles are the better team top to bottom, but it's Patrick Mahomes. So what, what you, uh, you can't really uh, count him out ever. And if I were to guess today, I'd probably guess like Chiefs 30, uh, Eagles 27 something like that okay. but I, I still haven't thought through enough um but I, I the, the when you laid out you know what's happening in the world of sports right now like we, we've got some NBA on and I'm just flummoxed by the fact that the NHL chose to have its all-star game during this time when there's no football it's a bye week before the Super Bowl this whole week is free like why the league is just so incompetent and it's like they don't want anyone else to watch it. And I, I you know, I'm not going to be the person that says, watch my sport, watch hockey. Cause I think it's cool, but hockey's good. Hockey's fun, except they have a seemingly insatiable desire to not gain any new viewers and take advantage <laughs> of opportunities. Like this ESPN deal was supposed to be this big, you know, and, and paired with TNT, right. This big opportunity for the NHL to break through and the the numbers have been terrible, apparently. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is a there's a vacuum right now. Football's not on. Let's go. Let's get to it. But of course, the, they chose to just have the all star game, which no one watches uh, this week. Makes sense. Yeah, we get like one game a night. I love so I, di- I didn't know the numbers were down for for viewership, uh, even despite the ESPN deal, because because I have ESPN plus 
I have watched so many hockey games this year because it has yeah. just about every single game. Like the only team I can't watch, I can't watch Caps games on it, which just market broadcast Fine. BS. Yeah, I yeah. don't care. I don't really like Ovechkin anyway. Uh, but I, yeah, I get to watch like every single Rangers game. I watch a lot of Oilers games just because Connor McDavid is just like it's Jesus unreal. on ice. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff he does is disgusting. Um, but I also watch some, I like the, I, I don't like the lightning, but I do like watching the lightning just yeah. because they're so good. Uh, I can't really bring myself to watch the Bruins, but well, the Bru- I mean, uh, the Bruins and the Celtics are just on another level right now. I mean, at the very least, like, it seems like the Bruins are a shoe in to make it to the final. Um, I, there's more competition in the East with the NBA and Giannis and the Bucks and whatever. I feel like they're on the collision course, the Celtics and the Bucks again for the final, which will be cool. But, um, but yeah, I mean, ESPN, it's amazing because as you say, Jordan, that ESPN plus function is really helpful, especially cause I like betting on hockey overs. Um, like that's why I've got, I've kind of been in the a zone where I watch a lot of St. Louis blues hockey, or I did, especially last year because they were, it was like, they're letting in at least three goals a game and they were scoring five <laughs> goals a game, four goals. Right. So it's like six, over six and a half every time. So that's kind of what. What got and the Devils were like that last year too. They were just ter- had terrible goaltending and, and defense, but they improved. They've got some um, scores though. So, so those are they do. Uh, and Jack Hughes is just like that contract He's looks a like a complete steal at this point. Total freak. Unfortunately, seems like a Justin Bieber little diva asshole. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's like whatever. Jesper Bratt's Jesper Bratt's pretty good too, though. Uh, those oh yeah, two together it, are great. It is unfortunate that the Devils are so good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I grew up in New Jersey and I know a lot of Devils fans actually, um, yeah. but but yeah. It, uh, long story short, same old, same old. Hockey doesn't care about actually making money. Basketball is always fun, always consistent, um, and the Super Bowl is going to be a, I think, a really good one. I think in this year, these they were the two number one seeds in their conferences, but very much uh, the best two teams coming out of the AFC and NFC. They, they deserve it. Uh, you you think the Chiefs are going to win? You're taking Chiefs minus as of three. now, not officially. Is I that, gotta think more that, about it. Is that a rational, like, clear take, or is that just like NFC no. East hatred? No, it's not <laughs> rational. I because I I'm telling you, I gotta think more about it because the more I think about it, that Eagles pass rush is like historically good, um, mm-hmm. and I could totally see them giving like. A high ankle sprain, you need like four to six weeks to actually recover from. So Mahomes is still not going to be fully himself. And, um, but it, it, that's what the game is going to come down to. It's going to come down to that fearsome pass rush versus Patrick Mahomes. The offensive line, they've got Orlando Brown. They've got some really good pieces there that may, that are able to protect him. But on the other side of the ball, I do see. I don't think Jalen Hurts has been playing particularly well, and I think that shoulder is still an issue. He's, they've been downplaying it in the media because there's no benefit to them to saying anything publicly, but he only threw for like 150 yards in that uh, walloping of the 49ers. You could say that was game script, but seems like even in those kinds of games, most quarterbacks would throw for more. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of factors I've got to consider, and but yes, I want I want the Chiefs to win, so perhaps it's a bit of wish fulfillment. Yeah. <laughs> Philly's got such a huge, like a deep stable of running backs too. 
Like they had oh, yeah. three or four rushing touchdowns in that game. Yeah, the Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott. It's it's amazing because they're neither of those guys I would say are. Or Miles Sanders is their starter, and he's very mid middling as a starter. But it doesn't matter when you have that offensive line; they can block for any of those those three guys, and they all do something kind of unique and different. Each of them, so yeah. Um, it's it's one of the best teams I've ever seen, uh, top to bottom. It's just they don't have a top five quarterback, in my opinion, and that sometimes wins the day in the modern NFL. Well, we'll see. I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the commercials. I'm excited to bet. You piqued my interest with your. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad the NFL another, is the hardest sport to bet on. Yeah, the NFL. I never, I never hit. It's it's. It's basically impossible to make money on the NFL. You can make money on baseball and you can make money on the NHL, but not yeah. this is not gambling advice, but but that's the only yeah. So Yeah. Anyway. I hit on NBA and NHL and I just never hit on football. It's just so fluky. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh Rob, are you excited for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I <laughs> as you know, I don't I'm not a huge football fan. I'm not really paying much attention to like the week in, week out stuff. I do enjoy eating the snacks and drinking beer and watching the the big game though. That's I'm a big fan of that. So I oh, I do yeah. intend to do that. I don't know if I really have a I have any skin in the game. I think most of the people that I interact with on Twitter are Eagles fans. I think maybe geographically that makes more sense for me. Also, unfortunately, I got to ding the Chiefs for the racist name as well and the chance. Those are pretty unfortunate. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna pick the Eagles by. Uh, six in the Super Bowl. That's my official stance. Yeah, official six. piece. Wow. Uh, tw- Twenty-eight we'll to twenty-two. Yeah. Two. Thank you. <laughs> to think about that for a moment. Chiefs. Chiefs go for a, a two-point conversion. Chiefs That's go right. for two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or they have a safety. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like that's the thing. It's like uh, you know, I'm. As I am Canadian, I'm in a big hockey town, but I've just never been that much of a hockey fan, NHL fan. I do watch the Habs when they're in the playoffs. I really hockey for me is just too stressful. Like it's too if you're emotionally invested in hockey, it's like actively unpleasant to watch. Um, like yes. I'll, I'll tune in when the Habs are in the playoffs, but it's it's you know actively it's yeah, agony. it's painful yes. to watch. Like it, in a close in a playoff game with big stakes, like having like a two goal lead in a hockey game is just the most stressful possible thing to ever watch. So I, I try not to subject myself to it uh, too much. Um, as we know, I'm a big Raptors fan. Their season, the, the vibes have been not good this year. There's been a couple of bright spots, but it's been pretty ugly over the last couple of weeks. And I'm very emotionally fragile, so I can't handle this bad vibe Raptors season. So I just... To protect myself, I just I, I watch this. I look at the score. If they do win, I check out the full game highlights the next day, and I don't subject myself to it right now. No, so we'll I, see, I understand. We'll I'm see a what Knicks happens fan. in the remainder of the year. I'm, yeah, yeah. There we go. So I, I I basically even though they're good this year, the Knicks are just so limited by Tom Thibodeau, and I just understand that there's a ceiling, and I don't think even if they get in the playoffs, they're going to win them playoff series so and james dolan too yeah well that's a whole nother bag of worms <laughs> yeah. but at, at least dolan you know spends money but uh you're a little limited in a salary cap world with the nba but but yeah he's a he's a nut job but it's just like the 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 knicks are never gonna 
they're always going to overachieve in the regular season with Tom Thibodeau and because he grinds out his starters so, so much and does not rest them. Um, and it, I just like, it, I, it makes me ambivalent. So I, I root for them to win, but I can't get emotionally invested because they yeah. are so painful as an organization, notoriously so. That's what I've realized. Like I just, as a, being a Raptors fan for so many years, just really, that's the reality. Unless you're one of these people that are like, yeah, I love the, the Yankees and the Cowboys right. and the whatever team LeBron is on, like those types. Um, unless you're one of those people, generally like your, your sports fandom will be mostly pain, you mm-hmm. know, mostly pain. It's just in varying degrees every year. But in those odd times when you, you, something good actually happens, even if it takes like an entire lifetime or just decades, it makes the whole thing kind of worth it and allows you to continue I mean, you guys have that championship. It. That'll never, I mean, yes, it was. No one can take that away from you. No one can take it away from you, um, for sure. And I maintain to this day that had the pandemic not happened, the Raptors would have repeated repeated (laughs) that you're at the very least made it back to the finals. Unfortunately, COVID, the true, the true tragedy of COVID, as I say, is that. That's the the main, that's my main takeaway. That's a good point. Uh, Unfortunate. What do you think about? Uh, Jalen Brunson. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I think he's like the epitome of a coachable player. He's a breath of fresh air for the Knicks who haven't had a true point guard uh, in like decades. Uh, so for that, it's just been better than what we've had. There are times when I see Emmanuel qu- quickly flash and I feel like his upside is greater than that of Jalen Brunson. Uh, and so that makes me a bit frustrated with the the contract. But I feel like he's been one of the bright spots for the Knicks this year. And as a complimentary piece, once the Knicks hopefully move on from Randall to get a max player, if that becomes available to them, Randall's played well, but uh, you know, he is, I don't know necessarily know if he is uh, the kind of competitor that you can build a championship run on. Um, and I don't really think he's a great non- uh, like he's not great off ball and he doesn't seem to take well to it when he's having to play a complimentary role. Brunson's not like that. So I, I don't think that, I don't think that Randall will be in New York for the long term, And I think they're going to try to go after some bigger fish and Brunson, I think can, can kind of fit into any system uh, for that reason. Okay, but have you considered if I have a bet where I need R.J. Barrett to score 15 points, Jalen Brunson does not pass the ball when the cl- when there's like five minutes left. That hurts me personally, and that's why I don't like Jalen Brunson. That's good. That's good. I mean, I uh, that's fair. I trust me. I've I've ha- I have vendettas that go way back uh, for betting purposes. So join yeah. the club. <laughs> Jalen Brunson's on my list and recently Harrison Barnes. But other than that, <laughs> I love Randall because he's like pretty consistent for like eight boards. Hey, he's like 24 points a game as of, as of right now. So, and um, great rebounder statistically yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, on the hockey points so at the NHL uh, all-star games this weekend, I'm looking forward to it, even though it kind of is meaningless uh, just to see all the, some of the greats out there to rob's point about how anxiety inducing some of these games can get 
I wasn't huge on hockey. I was always a casual observer. Growing up, I played like NHL 93 or 94 on my Sega Genesis and became <laughs> a Blackhawks fan because Chelios was like really good at fighting in that game. And that was like my first introduction to hockey and kind of bounced around a little bit of for the, like a little bit of the pens um, moving here, uh, a little bit of the caps. Oh, with a stint, I was a Flames fan in like the late 2000s because I really loved Aginla. But last year, the, the Rangers playoff run just like totally sold me on the team because it was one huh. of the most exciting things I've watched in sports in a really long time. Just like the energy from the kid line. Like I, Mika Zibanejad is like my top player now. Like just, I He's love the, the way he plays. Yeah. I love his attitude. I love how like selfless he is on the ice. Like he sets people up. Like him and Panarin are just phenomenal. And then Capococco, mm-hmm. watching him and his development on the ice has just been incredible i i'm all in and i think the excitement there rob you need to give it another chance because it's it is so fucking fun to watch yeah i'm i mean look the fact that you're a recent ranger convert's incredible because (laughs) um I, i think like you know i deal with islanders fans a lot and they're just so resentful of the rangers because the rangers the the knock on them is that the rangers act like they're the yankees but they haven't won anything i mean the last time they won a cup was in 94 i was like a few weeks old i think at that point um and the 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 rangers are by far uh one of the most i think if not the most um valuable nhl franchise and they have like the capacity to spend more money, but the NHL salary cap is like 85 million and so comically low that they're kind of hamstrung by it. So like they have an attitude of like, we're the Yankees, we're the Knicks, but they aren't necessarily, the Knicks aren't a good example. We're the Yankees, we're the big city team. We have the ability to spend, but we, we, uh, and we're, we act like, you know, we've won a lot, but but it hasn't been the case. I mean, the Bruins are probably a better example of, of what the, the negative perception of the Rangers is. With that said, um, this team is so likable. I mean, they're underperforming a little this year and we'll see if Gallant wears out his welcome at the end of the year. Like if they don't win the cup, I actually do think that he'll be gone because he's such a like prickly motherfucker that I just feel like he's going to wear out his welcome. But Artemi Panarin, impossible not to like. Um, I think there's (laughs) a lot of uh, anti-Russian bigotry and with old NHL heads who think that they're just skill guys, not gritty enough. But yeah, Panarin's a skill guy, but you see that really, really is incredibly valuable. Um, and Zabanja, as you say, very selfless. The the young kids, it's just really exciting. Lafreniere's had a tough year, but Capo Caco is such a monster along the board, such an incredible possession player, and he's growing every day. He's 22 years old. I'm He's my favorite alongside Keandre Miller, my other favorite player to root for on the Rangers of the kids. So lengthy, athletic, natural, uh, has a natural feel for hockey, and he's just getting better and better. Um, He has that reach, and he makes those defensive breakups, and it's like he never takes a penalty on them. He knows exactly when to strike, to hit hit the opposing player's stick and and, or get the puck off his stick. It's it's awesome. Keandre, if, to, if I could really sell Rob on giving hockey a, a bigger space in your <laughs> end of the Rangers Stars game a couple weeks ago, where Keandre Miller scored like what was it, Emma? Like point four tenths, or like yeah. four tenths of a second left in the game to tie. I did it see the highlight of that. Overtime. That was cool. Unbelievable! <laughs> Just like 
easily top 10 sports highlights like ever it was just remarkable and then i think fox scored in overtime to win yes off of on a backhander which is a sick for a defenseman he just like mm-hmm. faked out the defender and took it to his backhand then like over the left uh shoulder of of the goaltender uh, uh ottinger yeah ridiculous it was just unreal I was screaming. I was just so, so <laughs> Me too. Me too. I like was watching in my bed and got up and was jumping around, like ran out into the living room. It yeah. rocks. It's amazing that you're trying to convince me. You're, <laughs> you're the heathen Americans and you're trying to convince me, the Montreal guy, <laughs> it to rocks. watch more hockey. What is going on in the world? Right I don't now? know. This is crazy. <laughs> Topsy-turvy. Yeah. This is like a sign of the imminent apocalypse i think it's like exactly. dogs and cats living together <laughs> not good no just be a rangers fan with us <laughs> if i watch hockey i'll probably watch you know montreal like where i live all right you know well <laughs> sad yes you're a loss i guess yeah. uh we should we should before we uh close we i want to get emma's thoughts and have a discussion about the you know we have the first month of Republican control of the House in the books now, after whining for two years about inflation, about Biden not doing anything, uh, about all these different issues, they've laid out what their goal is here, and they've and and what their priorities are, and that is, you know, helping the wealthy cheat on their taxes, uh, mm. protecting our precious gas stoves, <laughs> uh, going after, you know, uh, or, or I'm sorry, condemning the horrors of socialism, and today voting to remove Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. And that is the one that, to me, carries the most weight because she was one of the best, if not the best, progressive voice on foreign policy on that committee. Now, uh, I think one Republican voted present, but party line vote, they just, they kicked her off. And the comments from Akeem Jeffries were really frustrating and troubling and it showed that ultimately he didn't care because when asked about it the first thing he said was well Ilhan Omar has made a lot of uh anti-semitic remarks uh, or some bullshit like that and then very surprising that Jeffries would accuse her of anti-semitism considering the the the, how he's on record with his gleeful uh support and the you know, unwavering. Uh, yeah, love one of the of most this, pro-Israel uh, of members this, of the Democratic uh, you know, Israeli caucus. apartheid yep. regime. Yep. He just loves them. Can't say <laughs> yeah. anything about that in the Democratic and Party. If you God really forbid. want to dissect it, that's like the la- like, That's like the worst possible way to respond to a question. If your intent was to protect her, because what he did in his comments were re-up the criticism first. That is like, I yeah. mean, basic PR and comms one on one. You don't do that unless, of course, you. That's the message you want to put forward. So deep down, to me, that shows he's fine with us. He doesn't care. And APAC loves it. Now, Emma, you're from yeah. New York. Uh, he's <laughs> he's a New York uh, Democratic Party uh, force. And now he is the, the minority leader. What was your take on this situation? And how did you react when you heard that Ilhan was removed? I was really, uh, I was really sad to, first and foremost, um, I'll get to Hakeem Jeffries in a second, but There was a great piece a few days ago by Peter Beinart, who has been vocal in his opposition to the right-wing government in Israel in the New York Times, where he essentially laid out why it was so essential that Ilhan Ilhan Omar remain on the Foreign Affairs Committee. One, she's a Muslim American and a refugee and a 
person whose life has been affected by war and the downstream consequences, the blowback from U.S. empire, that that is informative, that is foundational to who she is. So to have that voice is, is indispensable. Like, you know, there's clips of her questioning Biden officials, Trump officials about involvement in South America and Latin America, about U.S. support for for Pinochet, uh, about U.S. support right now for or that, that's past support. But now, currently, the United States' relationship with Narendra Modi, who is a far right lunatic fascist um, whose entire career has been built on the demonization of Muslim people in like he was the governor of a province when and basically okayed the mass killing of Muslims within that province by vigilante groups. And that's what propelled him to be the most powerful man in India at this point. So like the, the fact that the United States has a relationship like that with him is an international outrage. Uh, but no one calls it that within the hallowed halls of Congress, except for Ilhan Omar. And now that will not be heard. Uh, she could have been a minority member on that committee, but because the modern Republican Party has tethered itself to bigotry and is, well, you know, honestly, you can't understand conservatism in America without bigotry, but particularly anti-Muslim bigotry in the wake of 9-11. Um, she's the perfect avatar for all their hatred. And, and what it does as well is it both sides is the coup attempt, <laughs> because the reason that these extremist Republican members were initially stripped of their committee assignments like Gosar in the first place was because of their association with far right elements and like the coup plot. <laughs> they should be in jail, not on these committees. And so what McCarthy's trying to do is downplay what has happened by saying, oh, there's extremism on both sides and Ilhan Omar who I don't think is anti-Semitic. I don't even think she should have apologized for her comments. That's beside the point, but she has to be strategic, I understand. But um, he's he's attempting to downplay the extremism of, of his party by making her uh, a scapegoat as well. So that that's my initial reaction, if, if all of that makes sense. I remember the initial criticism of her. I know there's been a number of comments because obviously you can't make any criticism of Israel whatsoever, regardless of what they do without being uh, accused of anti-Semitism, especially if you're a Muslim woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but the original the original comments that drew all this, that condemnation then as it started this kind of narrative about her was literally just pointing out the role that the Israel lobby plays in shaping U.S. policy, which is not – that should not even be a controversial point. That's not a controversial statement, but that was the big – blow up originally when she was initially added to the foreign affairs committee that caused the amount of backlash that it did, which just exposes like how completely impossible it is to, for anyone like in the American political system. And you can say this about the Canadian political system as well, to have really an honest conversation about Israel and the role it plays in the world and the role it plays in the, in the U S and Canadian government without being accused of all these kinds of things. You know, it's, it's totally impossible for any making yeah, any kind of measure um, critique. I don't know, Jordan, if you want to weigh in or I can respond. You should go. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it's immensely frustrating. It's, you know, the comments about the Israel lobby are not only factual, it's impossible to understand the full story without knowing that, right? Like the, the accusations of bigotry are, or, or of his, uh, anti-Semitism are meant to hide the full truth, um, like very actively so. It's, it's just a smear. And I think most of the time 
the people that engage with it know that Hakeem Jeffries included. Uh, the, the, it's just that they have a base of, of money from a far right Israeli lobby that expects nothing except blind fealty for an apartheid regime. Even as in 2023, a month has passed and Israel's like breaking records for monthly deaths by Israeli forces in the occupied West Bank, killing Palestinians, including a six-year-old woman and multiple children. Um, like that's just expected. Like, you no, know, the United States, you're going to keep funding this. Like we fund that with our taxpayer money. It's immensely important that we have somebody in government who's going to call that out because no one else wants to. But the entitlement is just what's shocking to me as well. The Israel lobby, the Israeli government expects that they can do whatever the hell they want uh, in terms of ethnic cleansing and displacement and occupation because they have a ton of foot soldiers based on the the base that they've cultivated within the the United States domestically that are not going to say boo when they escalate and they get more and more extreme. And right now, Netanyahu's coalition is attempting a judiciary takeover to kind of end their own system of judicial review so that there can be no recourse for Netanyahu and his corrupt goons and for Palestinians who are trying to have their legal rights recognized within the court system as their homes are taken away from them. Although, for the most part, that hasn't been, um, you know, uh, worked out in their favor to this point anyway, but it'll make it even harder. So... That's a long-winded way of essentially saying um, that the, the her voice is so few and far between, um, and there are actually like hundreds of thousands of lives that depend on there being at least a few voices in our Congress that are going to say this because we're funding this occupation. What really frustrates me, and I saw this, I tweeted a couple things about it, uh, both her removal, I re-upped a clip of her grilling Elliot Abrams in Mm -hmm. 2019 on this committee. And then also AOC's speech defending Ilhan, talking about how, because Republicans frame this as, oh, she said something so offensive about 9-11 that we just were were so upset about this. Because they love love using that as like a political chip. As they vote to uh, take healthcare away from (laughs) 9-11 first responders. Right. But they're they're really upset about this believe them mm. so i tweeted a few things and about continuing it. to fund and arm the saudi government who you know did 9-11 <laughs> yeah. also right yeah. but but guys they're really <laughs> upset about it please remember this <laughs> if you're really bad about it so i tweeted a couple things about these uh those moments and just this is ridiculous for all the reasons you laid out and we're discussing she should be on this committee. It's great for everyone if she's on this committee. She's one of a handful of people in Congress who will even talk about this stuff in a good way. And there's this cadre of people who I, they've won leftism. They've won. They've done it. Congrats to them. They're the best. <laughs> They're the most left, which is totally what this is about. It's who can win, who can be the most left person. This was their opportunity. and This was the time they thought was right to talk about how she sucks and how They wish she would talk about or they would talk about XYZ issue in the same way or they wish they would do XYZ thing in the same way. And I know you both see it and I know you both share my frustration and people who are trying to build careers and names for themselves, framing themselves as leftist, whatever, I I don't care what label you want, uh, progressive, whatever, but just ultimately through this approach of just shitting on uh the squad if you want to call it that 
the handful of really progressive people in Congress with varying levels of progressivism. I don't I don't care about labels. I don't <laughs> care what you want to call yourselves or what they call them. You know, the Justice Democrats candidates, that's the people they've targeted and they want to build their brands attacking. What do you make of this group? And I know you've had your fair share of run-ins with them. So without even naming names, because I don't want to give them any attention. Um, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, right? It, for me, for for I, what I want people to understand about those folks is that they're not actually interested in the cause. They're interested in self-promotion. So you you hit the nail on the head there, Jordan, where it, it really is just about a branding exercise, to use one of uh, Sam's favorite phrases. Um, it's a way to make – it's about presenting yourself to a potential customers, audience members, as the most pure and the most truth-telling – um, especially in comparison to these politicians who sold out, right? It, it's a very tantalizing narrative to, to tell the people if they're feeling nihilistic, that even the people that you put your hopes behind, they're sellouts, except for me, and uh, subscribe to my Patreon. And, and th- what it does is it undercuts strategy on the left. And I think that the obsession with purity politics is designed to do this. Um, because to be strategic, it's not about if I personally like want to be buddies with Ayanna Presley, or if I can go down Rashida Tlaib's voting record and I agree with everything. Although with Rashida Tlaib, I might be able to. Um, but but the point is just uh, let's use another example, right? Like Jamal Bowman has not been as vocally uh, aggressive against Israel as Ilhan Omar has, partly because of his constituency. With, with his district in New York, there he has a good amount of Jewish constituents, and he just wants to be careful with that. That's my sense of it. I don't know his soul, but I'm not going to condemn him as a sellout because he's being strategic and trying to get elected. Because for the most part, I have a lot of faith in all of his other votes, even if he's not going to vote the right way on this. And in the end, I think he will. He's just not going to say what activists want him to say on the national stage because he's trying to appeal to his district. He's trying to do politics. And what these folks want are for for these guys not to do politics, even if the outcome ends up being a better outcome. Um, So uh, it it really is just, it's, it's a way to make a name for yourself in an industry where like what Sam and I do, and, and part of why I really wanted to, to work with someone like him, it's not, incendiary. And I work with like, you know, my coworker, Matt has really left politics, but he also understands strategy. Like he's a socialist, but he understands, you know, Ilhan Omar or Jamal Bowman or Summerlee being in the seat is very important. And it's about electoralism, but also about uh, gaining power and uh, working on the ground with activist groups and things like that and labor and everything's connected. So this is just, uh, my way of saying that it's about so much more than electoral politics. The people that make it about every vote being yes or no, you're a sellout or you're not, are lying to you for their own branding and their own purposes. And once you have a more holistic understanding about what politics really means, that kind of exercise is going to feel really insignificant because it's just the tip of the iceberg and you're being exploited for having a shallow understanding of what politics is about. I'll take a, I'll take just a a slightly more contrarian view on this because like, I do think that it is really important to have people like Ilhan Omar serving on these committees. Like Jordan, you shared that clip of, of Omar 
questioning um, Elliot Abrams, I believe, about the massacre in El Salvador that he helped cover up, which is like a horrible crime. And I remember when that happened, that was when that controversy over her comments about the Israel lobby had happened. She was under this huge magnifying glass, this huge spotlight. And I was really amazed. And it was something if you've been following the Democratic Party for a while, you're not really used to seeing this like, you know, woman in a hijab uh, (laughs) refusing to back down during that moment and ask these like really important questions about a horrific moment in uh, American imperialist foreign policy. Um, I I have criticisms of as well of pretty much everyone in the Democratic Party when it comes to foreign policy stuff. Like Ilhan Omar recently, I think, did a tweet about meeting with uh, a representative of AFRICOM the other day, which I think is frustrating. I think if you care about foreign policy and you care about U.S. imperialism in Africa, um, we complained a lot on the show, Jordan, about the the progressive caucus and their inability to like carve out any kind of meaningful opposition to Biden's kind of strategy in Ukraine of the endless funding and the endless arm transfers to the war in Ukraine and can't even really put out a letter advocating for more diplomacy and and trying to end the conflict. So, yeah, there's big criticisms with that, but I think you can understand that when you're talking about the Democratic Party, just the fact that there is someone that is willing to, you know, criticize the Israeli government or that is willing to ask these questions about horrific moments in uh, American foreign policy history in these big public moments. I mean, that's really valuable whether you agree with 100% of the things they do or you don't. You know, I would I would probably like for a lot more people in the Democratic Party to have even more uh, anti-imperialist foreign policy views. You understand it's a big part mainstream party, so you're kind of limited by that. But, you know, I think you can appreciate both of these things, right? You can appreciate the, the role that she plays and the advocacy that she's able to do while totally acknowledging that it's never going to be enough. It's never going to go far enough. But you know, that doesn't mean that the entire project of voting for progressive Democrats to at least put slightly more uh, left voices in these uh, places is a worthwhile project in and of itself. Yes. You know? And and I will say that I'm sometimes just flummoxed by the narcissism of the idea that the the vote that you take for a member of Congress or for a president is a reflection of your like an artistic expression in your soul. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't agree with Joe Biden on everything. And so I'm, I'm disengaging from this. It's like, okay, that's your choice, but it should probably be a bit more based in strategy. Like, what do you think you're going to extract by not voting? Probably not much. And the, the way that change actually happens in the United States, it's not the disaster politics of, Let's accelerate the degradation of the administrative state of our social welfare programs by electing a guy like Trump and disengage from the process. Change almost always happens when there's a Democratic president, even if it's not sufficient. So you can both be immensely critical of someone like Biden and be like, yeah, but I'm going to vote for him if he's a nominee, of course. Uh, Those are not incompatible uh, positions. Yeah, the the all or nothing approach, I think, is just futile because- they're just not going to pay attention to you. Like even the ones that are closer to our side than aren't, if you're just insulting them, shitting on them, calling them frauds and sellouts, they're not going to want to work with you. They're not going to want to like hear you or <clears throat> echo your concerns or echo your, your, your causes. I just, I don't, I really don't understand why this is becoming so common beyond just there's an incentive to do this it seems like people yeah sadly are so nihilistic it's a potentially a product of democratic establishment and, politics for decades but 
there's and it, let there's me just say there's it. also a, a finite number of like progressive viewers that are interested in the dry stuff that have the perspective that we do and so there are a lot of people that see there's an untapped market here of like fairly anti-establishment maybe more apolitical people that will come to me um if i both sides this and then we're in a position with some of these like influencers who started off as progressive where they are now clearly just appealing to a right-wing audience because there's just that's a much more reactionary and profitable model um and when you build an audience like just criticizing democrats some republicans will trickle in and then you're like okay i gotta capitalize on this market and that's what we're seeing so it's just not reflective of like real leftist discourse (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. like I told, I understand people's cynicism with like the fucking Democratic Party, of course. And I like we talked, you know, we talked started off talking about Bernie and the way that the Democratic uh, establishment reacted to his campaign. I get what people are are completely cynical about the party, um, but that's what I mean. I think there's a difference between if you become cynical with the Democratic Party and you join like a political organization like DSA or PSA right. or whatever, or you organize, you you unionize your workplace, or you organize a protest to to uh, if you care about these foreign policy issues. Okay. But then when it comes just about branding and online posturing and podcasting, well, then it's like not really doing much. Like, again, I understand the people's cynicism, but um, it's when that gets kind of gets funneled into uh, directions that don't really end up accomplishing anything other than, you know, adding noise in part of this kind of like independent media environment. And that's all it is. Um, so Right. You know, I do. I do get why people are are susceptible to that kind of yeah. messaging. I, I mean, know? I get it. It's just that's why I think it's so important to call it out because you can get into their algorithm and <laughs> break up break up some of that stuff. Well, uh, we're going to save the world with this podcast. We're going to fix all the problems. So <laughs> yeah. Good. Good news there. And Obviously, if you're cynical about the Democratic it. Party, yeah, it's good to subscribe to the Insurgents podcast. And <laughs> that will be a real systemic change. Yep. Yeah. Of natural. That's how you do it. <laughs> uh, Emma, we thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find ESVN, uh, Majority Report? <laughs> I love how that's the, the that's the lead, ESVN, which is just like my like side project where I screw around with my, my buddy Bradley, uh, who's it's my most producer. exciting for me. It's fun. I mean, look, it's 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 definitely a good time. Um, but you could go to youtube.com slash ESPN show. Uh, that's like ESPN, but V instead, like my last name, no affiliation. Uh, and uh, legally, uh, certainly not uh, anything except uh, parody law, right? We could use that. Um, and then uh, youtube.com slash Sam Cedar. I think it's that that's it. Uh, the majority report daily show at noon um and it's a weird show but it's also super informative fun like the interviews that we do with professors and experts are as dense as it gets and then in the fun half we just rip on right wingers all the time i think you'll you guys would really enjoy it if you haven't checked it out so uh the majority report with sam cedar i am the co-host Emma, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening.